Street Book of Ephesians, chapter 6. As we are looking at our Vacation Bible School theme, uh, Keepers of the Kingdom, and we're going to focus a little bit on the armor of God. I thought we would talk a little bit about that tonight. And I hope and pray that each and every one of you will agree with me since we're going to be together Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. We'll be out early tonight. Is that okay with everybody? So we will get out a little bit early here. We won't go over that long yet. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, and we'll go from there. Father God, we thank you now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. As you reach out and touch us, bless us, fill us with your goodness. I pray, Lord, you speak. Open our hearts to hear from you, Lord, that we would be edified and fit to serve you into the Spirit. I also pray, Lord God, that we would take what we learn, put it to work in our lives, Lord, so we might be better servants of you. Prepare us for vacation Bible school, Lord God. And I pray that you would bless each and every child that enters these doors, Lord. They might either come to know you, they might have seed planted, Father, and they might bring Jesus home to their family. Lord, and for that, I'm already thankful to praise you. Lord, you've already done a mighty work here right now. We give you praise, honor, and glory, and ask you to be with us now. We look at you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded to a great truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Often, pray too often. Pray for me, Paul said, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought. Well, the Apostle Paul tells us what we need to be doing. He tells us how we need to be doing it. He tells us why we need to be prepared for the attacks of the devil. Now, uh, I don't often preach on spiritual warfare, and you why, because a lot of people take spiritual warfare and they run with it. And you know everything is spiritual warfare. Have you ever met that person before? They go to ATV, their bill is $6.66, and they think they're attacked by the devil. Or their car didn't start today, and it must be an attack of the devil. Well, not necessarily. If you don't put gasoline in it, that's not going to happen. Amen? So, uh, but a lot of times we do those things in it. Or we wake up late, or we just forgot to set our alarm clock, and we all of a sudden make something spiritual that is just our lack of responsibility. So, deep down aside, though, not everything's a spiritual attack, but everything can be put in the spiritual realm when you start looking at our responsibility in that. So, if we look behind me here, you'll see that we have a picture of the armor of God here. We've got a nice-looking Roman centurion there. He is an interesting individual. We're going to talk a little bit about the armor he has. I'm going to go through this quickly because I want to get out of here in the next 15, 20 minutes. Here. Uh, take a look here at this young man. And if you need a more physical, tangible uh, example, you can take a look at our our dummy up here. Uh, up until this week, I want you to know that he was completely naked under his armor. So, thank God that he finally got some decent clothing on there. 
so appreciate that. And uh, take a look at our Roman Centurion up here. He has the helmet of salvation, complete with uh, with broom handles on top, right? Uh, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, belt of truth, sword of spirit, shoes or boots for the gospel of peace. So you get a good idea of what the armor is in most ideas. Most people start looking at it, they look at a Roman picture of the armor. And so why do we come to that? Why do we come to the idea that it's Roman armor? Well, number one, they put Paul in prison. As he just, we just read there, hey, pray for me that I might be able to preach, I might be able to speak, I might be able to teach, I'm sitting here in chains. He's actually in prison, chained to Roman guards. As we speak tonight, we read through his letter to the church at Ephesus, and he says, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me. He's chained to Roman guards. So he's never, ever, ever far away from the guards or their equipment. And incidentally, never far away from the equipment were the guards. It was part of their life. I remember uh, growing up, one of the things that I was taught was that uh, if, if you were given a rifle in the United States Army, that rifle was your life. A lot of people may not agree with me in that, but that was something that was brought into the U.S. Army. And even as a chaplain, that was taught, taught to us that uh, later on in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, your sidearm was given to you and it was your life. It was a responsibility you held on to. It was with you wherever you went. It never departed from you. When it did depart from you, it was where only you could get to that. Roman soldiers were no different in that. Their equipment was their life. Their armor was their protection. Their sword and their shield was how not only they defended themselves, but defended you. And they defended what they considered to be the eternal life, Rome. So what a word picture Paul saw as he's writing that letter. And if we could put ourselves in Paul's shoes for just a minute, think about being in that prison, think about how dark it might be, think about how how gross and grotesque it might be to us with water in the floor, with rats, with roaches, with those that are unsavory around us. And imagine the screams and the sounds and perhaps the sights and the smells that would be coming up to you as well. However, Paul is close to his Roman guards. And those Roman guards, and they were far from their equipment, in fact, the majority of them would be wearing their equipment 24-7, sleeping in it, walking in it, never taking it off for fear that someone may try to attack them or take their life away. So we get a picture here of what Paul saw as he looks at his Roman captive and he says, these guys never let their equipment down. So how do we apply that to Christian life? What a word picture Paul saw, but we're not talking about the armor of Rome. We're talking about God's armor. A lot of times we like to try to make it equal to this Roman picture, and I don't think it's wrong to look at that Roman picture there, but we need to look at God's armor. So let's look at a Christian's armor tonight in a godly point of view. Let's take a look at that. Psalm 95, verse 7, and just the very first part of it tells us that He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. So we get a look at what we are as Christians, as followers of God. We're just sheep. We're just sheep. I don't know about you, but when you think about a heavily armed sheep, I'm still not scared. Somebody say amen. Have you ever seen a sheep walking around with an Ilmex missile? I still wouldn't be afraid of him. He doesn't have the ability to launch it or to use it for his own design. So we get a good picture of a shepherd here with sheep here. We get a good, a good quote here. It says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, sheep of his pasture. And so a lot of times when we start talking about the armor of God, we forget that God still holds us as sheep. And God still acts us, uh, expects us to act like his sheep and to be his sheep. So sheep, though, are pretty harmless. 
Amen? Is anybody disagreeing with that? Of course, I've never had one person come to me in 30 years in ministry and say, Pastor, I've had horrible nightmares about sheep. That mean old sheep is going to get me. I've never had that happen, not once. However, it is the year 2023, and let me tell you, things are changing fast, aren't they? But think about sheep. They're pretty harmless. They don't have big fangs. They don't have big claws. They don't have a scary wolf. And they do not have those predator style eyes. You know, the predator style eyes we're talking about, like the ones on jungle cats. Or perhaps the ones you might see on a snake. They're cold and they're lifeless. You ever look in the, the eyes of a desert rattler? Some of you may have. And there's just something cold there. Something that says, it doesn't matter who you are. I will bite you. You don't see that in sheep. Usually when you look in the eyes of your sheep, you say, Pastor, you ever look in the eyes of sheep? I sure they have. It's a lot of fun when you take a look at the sheep out there. They're fun. They talk back. They have personality. And some of them learn their names like dogs. They're a, an interesting animal. But I never once looked in their eyes and saw anger or hatred or a particular a, a wish or desire to attack you there. No predator eyes. So we're looking at God's armor now. A lot of us like to look at God's armor as being something super duper offensive. It's not. It's something that we put in defense here. Let's take a look here. Do you know what sheep do? After all the running and escaping and evading are done into it, that's what sheep do. When something scary comes, they run away. Don't believe me? Walk into somebody's sheep pasture today and just yell the word boo and see what happens to all the sheep. They start running, they start moving. Open up the door. One day, Betsy and I were coming home from the last church I passed one evening. And as we came home, uh, we were out on 580, and someone had left the gate open, and all the sheep and all the goats had moved out into the road. And I got out of the car, and I walked right up to them, and I just did my arms like big birds, and they all ran right back into the pasture, right back into the fence. Well, I was able to close it and lock it without even touching a single one, without even talking to them. Just my movement frightened them enough to herd them back into where they were. So that's what sheep do when they feel threatened. They run, they try to get away, and of course, when the evading's all done, do you know what sheep do? This is funny. They stand. They stand. So you get a picture then of the Apostle Paul talking about us. When we're done, and when the devil's done, and when we are done, we will be able to stand. Look at Ephesians 6 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not just once, but he says it twice. Look at me in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and in the evil day, having done all to stand. He said it twice. He said it twice because it's important. As you probably know, in Jewish life, uh, when you want to emphasize the importance of something, you say it more than once. In fact, we brought that into modern-day English. We emphasize it. Not once, not twice, but sometimes three times. When we're done, to be able to stand. Take a look at the next one here. Standing sheep, guess what? You can learn something from them. Standing sheep are not afraid. If they're standing, they're not afraid of anything around them. So you get a picture here of God's people, of God's people clothed in armor, no longer being afraid. Ask your question, what are you scared of? Most of us wouldn't admit to anything. I'm not scared of anything, Pastor. I'm not scared of somebody breaking into my house. I'm not scared of leaving a job. I'm not scared of my wife. Well, have you ever heard the little story about that guy? He was bragging to his friends. He's like, you know what? I've been fighting my wife for 15 years. But last night, last night, she came to me on her knees. And my brother looked at him and said, how'd you do that? He said, well, when she finally got down on her knees and said, get out from under that bed, you coward. I knew I had one. <laughs> 
standing, keep going. Not afraid of anything. They're not afraid at all because they're standing. If they're running, they're afraid. But these people stand. They're not defeated, though. When standing sheep are there, they're not defeated. Incidentally, when we're clothing God's armor, we're not helping. You know something else about sheep? When they're together, when they're standing, and they're not afraid, sheep are almighty loud. They are loud. They're like a bunch of kids that get together. You ever try to quiet a bunch of kids? That's a non-ever-ending battle of every school system in America today. They keep those kids quiet for more than five minutes. When the press starts, they're like, quiet, no talking, quiet, no talking, put that away, quiet, no talking, quiet, 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 quiet. Sheep are very similar. When they get together, they're loud. They bleat together, they stand together, they hum together, they talk together, and eventually the more sheep they get around, the more it gets roar quiet. They're not rolling the bad Let's take a look at the next slide. How do you make the sheep roar? How do you do that? Well, you can't actually make the sheep roar, no matter how hard you try. But what you can do is put more and more sheep together, and they become more and more secure. And the securer they get, the more loud they get with their actions. You know something about Christians? Are you ready for this? When Christians get together, they get more and more confident. I think it's amazing when one Christian starts witnessing and the other one's been timid and the other one's been standoffish, they're sitting back in the back and someone stands up and starts being what God calls us to be and then the other one gets encouraged by it and he gets on fire for God and starts doing what he did. They follow. They follow. Remember, though, it's God's armor. And remember, it's not our armor. And remember, it's not necessarily it's Roman. You know, I think Roman is that it's not man's armor, it's God's armor. And so God's going to give us some practical advice about how to move through that. Let's take a look at the next one here. Look in your Bible with me. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. Look at me in verse 10. The Bible says, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Let me say that again. Be strong. Listen to me, Christians. Now, I know we've heard over and over and over again. Sometimes we don't need to just do something, just stand there and let God do it. But the Bible tells us here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, that we need to be strong. Be strong in what? Be strong in the Lord. How do we become strong in the Lord? Well, number one, if you're going to put on the armor of God, then you need to realize that God's armor is heavy. I'm not getting any amens on that. God's armor is heavy. If you're going to carry God's armor, then you need to be spiritually in shape. We often think, just because I became a Christian, I can start putting on God's armor. Well, when you put on the breastplate of righteousness and you're not able to carry it, it's going to drag you down. The weight of it's going to drag you down to where you don't want to be. You're going to be carrying a burden you're not ready to carry. You've got to be strong in the Lord. How do you become strong in the Lord? Well, guess what? Just like anything else, you need to exercise your faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians, we need to work out our salvation. And I believe that's a picture of a Christian learning how to pray, learning how to read and feed on God's Word, learning how to trust God, learning how to believe in God's people, learning how to look to God's people, and learning to put God's armor on. And eventually, they're putting on the whole armor of God. Why? Because they're strong. If you're going to put on God's armor, you need to be strong. Number one, you need to be strong in Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Then you get yourself into prayer. You get yourself into God's Word. You get yourself into worship. You get yourself into praise. You get yourself in God's people. And you'll find yourself becoming stronger. When you're strong in faith and strong in God's house, strong in God's people, nothing is going to be the Christian. Somebody say amen. Not a thing. In fact, the Bible tells us the gates of hell will never prevail against His church. Why? Because we're strong. We're strong. 
the wrong song when we're together now. I'll forget about that. When we're separate, we get weaker and weaker and quieter and quieter. When you pull yourself out of your church, your voice gets quiet. When you pull yourself away from God's people, your voice gets quieter. You pull yourself out of God's will and you lose your what? You lose your ability to share. A lot of people say, no, I still share. Well, good, amen. God bless you. But you find yourself getting weaker. Over and over again. We need to be strong. How do you be strong? You find yourself in God's house with God's people, God's word, and in prayer with God. Second thing you find here in verse 11 is stand. 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 I don't know about you. Have you ever seen that before? Hey, don't make war unless you get yourself on the floor. Have you seen that before? No, that means get on your knees. Make war on your knees, right? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse 11 stand. Contradiction at all. It's not about not praying. It's not about not trusting in God's duty. What it is, though, is this. And we need to understand stand up for Jesus. Stand up for God's word. Stand up for God's house. Stand up, Christian, for what's right. Stand up for God's ways, for God's principles, for God's will. Stand up because I am tired as a church of not standing up for God anymore. We've been laying down and being walked over by the world for the last 300 years. And it's time we stood back up because we're strong in the Lord, in God's armor. We can't be beat. We need to get back to standing, standing on His Word, standing on His promises, and standing in His house. Verse 12 tells us we wrestle. We wrestle. And when we wrestle, you should be thinking of Jacob wrestling with the angels. Wrestling with him. Bible tells us verse 12, you wrestle against principalities and against powers. That's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't the fact that you let your hubble bubble bubble gum at home. That's not spiritual warfare. You might think it is, but it's not. Spiritual warfare is when you are being blocked by doing God's will or when you're being attacked because you're doing God's will and you're wrestling. How do you wrestle with it? Are you ready? You can't do it on your own. In fact, you're not strong enough. But I can tell you right now, Jesus is. And when you are strong in the Lord, and when you're standing up for what God has told you to stand up for, you'll find yourself wrestling and overcoming and winning. And look again at verse 13. Stand. 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 Stand up for what's right. You know what else we need to do? We need to stand up for those Stand up for those who don't have a voice. Stand up for the smallest and the weakest of us. God's blessed brothers and every Baptist church, and we've been standing up for the unborn for as long as I know. We need to stand up for the innocent in our society. Stand up for them. Stand up once again as God's people in God's house. Stand. And verse 14 tells us, put on the truth. Now, I love to talk a little bit about the armor of God, how we put it on piece by piece. How we put it on that way. Put on truth. I ask you a question. If you were put my armor, how would you put it on? Which one would you put on first? I remember putting on my service uniform. I remember the last thing I put on was my Kevlar vest. I put it on underneath with a stab down. Because, I'll be honest with you, the book says that doesn't stop. Alright. And you come home. Tired and cold in that right? Yeah. What are the last things I put on? What do you think the first thing I put on? 
at the very first one. One of the best is the Apostle Paul. Put on the whole armor of God. In his mind. He reminds us who we wrestle against. He reminds us what we need to be doing. Look at the verse if you didn't see. In verse 14. Stand therefore, having your mind spread about the truth. The first thing is put on the belt of truth. Put on. Truth can be covering anything that we find. Anything you find, we something that we attack and take vulnerable. It covers the weak spot. If the truth covers it, there's nothing the world can do to expose it. And again, what Paul says is we can put on the belt of truth. Gird your loins with truth, my brother. A loincloth. What does a loincloth do? I don't think I need to draw you about it. It covers that which you don't want to show. That's the question. Truth is covering it. It doesn't matter what the world sees. Put on belt truth. Make sure that that which you are afraid of the world seeing is covered with truth. When it's covered with truth, it doesn't matter who sees. It doesn't matter who sees. And incidentally, if truth is your belt, it's going to continue holding. If it's not held up with truth, Eventually, it's going to break and fall down and expose who you really are. Put on the belt of truth. Next one, Paul says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate, you can take a look at our level soldier up here, covers his vital organs in the front. Not necessarily in the back, but in the front. It covers his heart, it covers his lungs, it covers his liver, his pancreas, it covers his Stomach, it covers the small intestine, it covers the majority of his vital organs. And a breastplate of righteousness covers your vital organs as a Christian. Make sure your righteousness covers your heart, that your righteousness covers your intestines, that your righteousness covers your lungs. You're breathing in and out righteousness. Your heart is beating in and out righteousness because you're strong in the Lord. The Bible tells us in verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of salvation. I've often heard it said, learning how to walk on God's word and God's promise, learning how to walk in his footsteps. But we're looking at a Roman soldier, friend. Roman soldiers don't always have metal boots on. Some of them did. The cohorts did that came out of the city, but they couldn't march far with it. The reason why they couldn't march far with it is because, well, they, they were blistered. Normal legionnaire wore a sandal boot to march forward. But he had a great shield. You know what that great shield was? Even though he had that large shield, because his arrow was coming into his feet. Sing his little footsteps. If you have, then you know <laughs> the great fear that they have. The pain of an arrow in your foot, of a dog in your foot, of a spear. And why a metal boot is so important. You're going to understand why now. The Apostle Paul says, make sure you have the boots of the gospel of Jesus. You Christians don't walk to war like that. We bring peace to war. Understand what the Bible tells us here. The feet shine with the preparation of the gospel of Jesus. 
wherever the gospel goes, peace is proclaimed. God has a way of bringing peace to every strife, to every conflict. He has a way of ending all wars. He has a way of changing every heart. And when a Christian is going into battle, he goes with his feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. He's prepared to bring peace wherever he goes. He's prepared to bring peace to anybody, everybody, no matter what the cost, because he's walking on God's word, walking on God's promises. His feet are shod with the gospel of
Learn as you become a discerner with the Word of God. Learn when to bring the grace of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, and learn when to bring what? Whatever the case may be, grab it and get it right tonight. Don't leave. Leave it your heart right now. Let's pray today. Father, I come to you now to your holy and righteous name. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. It indeed is sharper than you need to be for it. indeed is quick and powerful. And I pray, Father God, right now, that we step down this rock and become a discerner, Lord, of our thoughts, our minds, and our intentions. So that we need to get right with you and stop doing that. Prepare, Lord, for vacation Bible school. Have a great evening. I will see you tomorrow at 3.30 for Vacation Bible School. 